a fantastic time that was. And thank you, team. Praise and worship. Just, it was raw and real. And I, I, I'm so convinced and convicted myself that that's what the Lord's after. You know, the, the genuine, the raw and the real. And I, in one sense, I think the raw is the better as far as he's concerned because it's, it's, the, it's the real, it's the genuine. Worship is in spirit and in truth. Well, uh, you may know, you may not know, but PJ and I uh, went to Pastor Colin's celebration yesterday, and it was such a privilege to be there, um, to be part of that amazing tribute to the amazing man. And, um, and just this week, actually, I was, I was actually kneeling, praying, and I, I, I find that I'm doing that more and more, because the physical position of kneeling... Um, it helps me tell myself my own attitude, really, of who I am in relationship to the Lord. I bow. I bow my physical body. I bow everything, my thoughts, my will, my emotions. I bow. He's Lord. And as I was kind of bowing like that, kneeling, really, and praying, I, I just saw my Bible. I was bowing in front of a sofa. I've got this sofa in my office. I love it. It's my meeting with God place. And um, this was on the sofa, and I just opened my eyes and saw the Bible in front of me. And I, I just had this thought, I want to eat that book, get it in me, and live it out. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And um, essentially, that's what Pastor Colin did, you know. And the tributes and the, the footage that we saw yesterday was the man who ate the book and lived the life by the Spirit. And anyway, I have this thought. We're going to read a scripture together, John 1, 14. As I was thinking that, I want to eat your word and live it out. I thought, well, blow me. Isn't that what Jesus did? <laughs> you know, the man. John 1, verse 14. And the word of God became flesh. Think of it. This book became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten, not created, he always was, begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus made the journey from heaven. What a journey, hey? What an, uh, uh, an agreement with the Father, yes, I'll go. What a mission. I'll move from here to there. Um, he made the journey to the earth to dwell among us and to show us what the Father's like full of grace and truth, right until the point where he arrived on the earth. People had the Old Testament, the Torah, they had the scriptures, but they didn't really know the person. A few priests and prophets and kings did. But generally, the people of God, they didn't really know him. They knew the words, but they didn't know the person. They knew what to do, if you like. They knew the truth. But they didn't have the grace or the ability of God to live it out. And so they just failed time and time again, which is why Jesus had to come, you know, ultimately to die on the cross, to pay the penalty for sin, to open a way for us to be restored back to God, to live with God. And so God had one son, Jesus, and he gave his life the death and resurrection of that only son made it possible for God the Father to have millions, millions of us. And I love the verse, I've 
kind of been living with this quite a lot. In John 12, verse 24, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if that grain of wheat goes into the ground and dies, it produces much grain. We're going to look at it more later, but that's, that's essentially what it says. The one grain goes down into the ground, it dies, it produces much grain. The one life that is prepared to die will produce many. Amazing. John 1 verses 12 and 13 says this, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Think of it. We're so used to reading scriptures. We get so blasé. Oh yeah, I know that one. I've read that one. Think of it. If you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've been given the right or the privilege to become a child of God to those who believe in his name. Verse 13, who were born not of blood nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. This isn't a physical birth or a natural birth. Born of God. Born of the Spirit. And I want to do some um, foundational, fundamental teaching really this morning to help us understand who we are, but how we can live. I tell you, we don't understand our capacity and our ability as children of God. It's mind-blowing, really. And, And the Lord wants to blow our minds with truth highlighted and revealed by the spirit so that it's like this is me i'm a son of god this is what i can do this is how i can be you know and so if we can have the diagram please this is you if if well actually it's not entirely you if you're born again it's not you entirely i'll explain what i mean by that in a minute every human being is like that Every human being born naturally, of course we know they have a body and a soul. Some are aware they have a spirit, some are not, you know. Some are kind of into all kinds of spiritual stuff. But whether people know they have a spirit or not, they have a spirit. So every person, every human being born is born with three parts, spirit, soul, and body. We are not like animals. I know a lot of you know this, but I just want to go through it so that I'm going to walk you through, hopefully, till we have some light bulb moments this morning of revelation. Uh, We're not like animals. Animals just have a body and a soul. And no matter how much I kind of wish and hope that my little Westie will be up there with me, I know really he won't. When he goes, he goes. That will be it. The end. We are not like that. Human beings, every single one of us, created are eternal. The spirit part of a human is eternal. So the body lives, uh, the body dies, but the spirit lives on in one of two places. And so our decision about Jesus in this life is crucial. Crucial, crucial, crucial. If we receive him, we become born of God. If we could have the next slide. So if you are born of God, if you are a child of God, this is what has happened to you. If you can see that, the Holy Spirit has come to live in your spirit or in your heart. In scripture, this used to confuse me. It helped me so much when I found this out. Heart and spirit are interchangeable. Spirit with a small s, human spirit. 
He lives in your spirit. He lives in your heart. That's where he lives. Okay? That part there where you see the Holy Spirit and the Spirit, that's your inner man. Scripture speaks of the inner man or the hidden man of the heart. That's the inner man. The soul and the body that we're all so well aware of, that's your outer man. Okay, so inner man and outer man. Galatians 4 verse 6 says, And because you're sons of God, God has sent forth the spirit of his son, Jesus, into your heart or into your human spirit, crying out, Abba, Father. The Holy Spirit in you is crying out, Abba, Father. The Holy Spirit in us is crying out for us to do life all of life, in relationship with the Father. It's all about relationship. Not from a distance, more soul and body conscious, independent, really, of the Father. Yeah, I've read your book. I'll get on with that now. That's how the Pharisees lived, actually, isn't it? But in relationship, like a child, hand in hand with the Father, And um, I wasn't sure whether to share this, but it helps me so much. And it's such a brilliant picture. Um, When I was first separated, nearly, well, it's three years ago now, the bottom of my world dropped out. I didn't know how I could do life. I felt very alone. Um, And I was walking one day, and I saw, you know, the road signs that you get, often outside of schools, of an adult hand in hand with a child. You see them at kind of outside schools, it's crossings in various places. And I just saw this sign, essentially of a father with a child hand in hand. And the Lord said to me, that's how you do life. (laughs) That's how you'll go on. And I tell you, he's been amazing to me. I do life like that. He helps me with everything, decision making, fixing things, finding things, random things. I just kind of, it's like... I walk with him and he talks to me and that is how I have been able to have a blessed life. Um, And so you've heard me say this before, but success for a natural child is to grow more and more independent and to, to live independent of the parents. You would consider that a success, wouldn't you? But it's quite the opposite for a child of God. Success for a child of God is to grow more and more dependent, hand in hand with the Father, What are you saying? (laughs) What are you doing? That's a success. You know, if a a natural son in his 30s phoned his dad and said, Dad, what shall I do today? You'd be like, that's a bit odd. (laughs) A bit alarming even. But for a child of God in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s and on, says, Father, what are you saying about this? How should I handle that? What shall I say to that person? To God, our Father, that is a success. He celebrates that. Because it's a spirit-led life. And it's a spirit-dependent life. And actually, it's the only life he can use. With the outer man, body and soul, yielded, dependent on the Father. We're going to look at Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. And while I take a drink because this is going to come up on the screen. Just say to the person next to you, if this, is true, if this isn't true for you yet, just say, I'm open. 
The reason I'm here this morning is because I'm open to find out. But for those of you who are born again, just say to the person next to you, I'm a son of God. Okay. <clears throat> this is how we live it out. Proverbs 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your steps. This is radical. It's absolutely radical. It is life-changing if we do it. The word to know uh, in this, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, all your ways acknowledge him. To acknowledge or to know, it's a Hebrew word that, it's yada, it's called yada in Hebrew. And it's not a knowledge of information, knowledge in the head. It's a knowledge through experience. Really, as a husband is with a wife, it's that kind of direct, intimate knowing, contact. That's what God is after. It's that kind of intimacy that produces fruit. As it is in the physical, it is in the spirit. Fruit of God comes out of intimacy with God. And we know it and we can quote it, but I tell you, unless we practice this, we live quite self-contained in the outer man, self-sufficient. And uh, I knew, uh, um, not that well really, but uh, I I knew this story because he shared it with me, but this um, young man at Bible college, this is a long, long time ago, And he was just frustrated because he said, I just don't get it, how I can get through. Never the mornings, because the mornings we were, you know, we were having Bible study and training and times of worship like we had this morning that were amazing, raw and real. But, you know, he said, that's all done and dusted. And I, I can get through the afternoon doing my work party duties with no reference to the Lord. I don't even really think about him. And he was kind of going on, getting more and more frustrated with himself. And, um, and he read a scripture in Psalm 119. That is the longest one of all, if you've ever read that one. And um, verse 164 says, Seven times a day I will praise you because of your righteous judgments. And he just had this thought, and I think it must have been a God thought, that he was going to set his watch Seven times a day. And when his watch be beeped, he'd just take a moment or two to acknowledge the Father uh, and just give him praise. God, you're my God. Thank you that you're with me. I just want to give you praise for who you are. Thank you that you're with, with me. Thank you that you're leading me. Anyways, this went on. And I, his name was Nick. I said, Nick, how's that going for you? You know, how's that working out? And he said, it's been amazing. He said, actually, I don't need the beep beep seven times a day anymore. I've kind of got into this really good habit throughout the day of acknowledging him, becoming more conscious of him. I mean, it's just, it's just amazing that if we will set a decision like that, really, a new routine, if you like, to acknowledge the one with us, because he's near, Scripture says he's at hand. He's there all the time. Um, But just as we acknowledge him, it's so helpful turning our attention to him throughout the day. It's life-giving. You cannot give to God and not receive back. 
And what I kind of do as a, as a lifestyle thing, if I'm doing an activity that doesn't require much concentration, for example, doing the dishes, cleaning the house, out walking, sitting in a queue in my car, you know, I, it doesn't need much kind of head attention. I'll just start to acknowledge him and fellowship with him. Do you know what I mean? Thank you, Lord, you're right here in the car with me. Oh, you've got to keep your eyes on the red, amber, green, haven't you? Because I've been caught out with that before. Sitting there with a cue behind beeping. But, <laughs> but it's just taking that moment or two to fellowship with him. Acknowledge the one with you. And it's a bit like the deer in Psalm 42. It says, the deer thirsts, as the deer thirsts for water, so my soul thirsts for the living God. And it's that kind of reaching. I'm thirsty for something more than this realm I'm living in. I'm thirsty for you, Lord. I'm reaching for you. And if you can, you know, use your words just to give him some affection. Set your love on him, you know. But what I'm finding more and more is that as I do that, I become more conscious of his presence with me, you know, more aware of him, his nearness. And it really is just making time, just the bits of time that we can have throughout the day uh, to fellowship with him. Dog walking's another one. That's just brilliant. And if you haven't got a dog, you can go out for a walk, you know, and just chat with him. Instead of being lost in your own thoughts, you just talk to him, pray in tongues, talk to him. Because the thing is, at the end of the day, it's the spirit who gives life. You know that one, don't you? The flesh profits nothing. It's the spirit gives life and only the spirit who gives life. And if we could have that diagram back up on the screen, thank you. We need that life that's in our spirits to break into our souls before it will ever be worked out in our bodies and reach other people. There's got to be a channel, a breaking out of that life on the inside into your soul and into your body. Turn with me to John chapter 12. We're going to go back to this grain of wheat scripture. I know this is meaty this morning, but I also know you're not here by mistake. You're here by design. And that God will use this to help you to understand spiritual things. We need understanding. Revelation understanding. Um, so we just know how to do life, you know? As spiritual people mindful of the greater one in us. Okay, John 12, 24. Most assuredly I say to you, so this is Jesus speaking, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. Now whilst this is true of Christ and what happened to him, it needs to happen to every single one of us. I'm just going to kind of walk you through how that, this needs to be worked out. Some of you I know are from a farming background here. You do not have to be from a farming background to understand this really simple analogy. A grain of wheat has a hard outer shell, doesn't it? The life is in the grain. It's on the inside. But if that grain of wheat goes down into the ground, the moisture and the temperature of the ground will break it down so that the life will be released and it will start to grow. We all get that, don't we? So it's not a question of, is there life in the grain? It's a question of, is the outer man broken, or is the outer shell 
broken. It's not a question of, is the Holy Spirit in my spirit, if you're born again? It's a question of, will my soul and body break and bow to such an extent that that life will be released? I mean, it's powerful. But I tell you, by the Spirit we can live this life. And by what I'll tell you from experience is, it is the best life I have ever experienced. The life of God allowed. You've got to give permission. He'll never force his way through. But allowing God in my soul and out of my body, you cannot outgive God. He is no man's debtor. He gives back the joy, the peace, the knowledge of his presence with you. I wouldn't swap that for anything. Honestly. Um, anyway, where was I? Okay, now, it's important we go on to see verse 25. Uh, keep that, Nikkei, please, on the screen, but we'll look at it in your Bible. Verse 25 of that, John 12. Jesus goes on to explain what this grain represents, actually. He who loves his life will lose it. He who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Pastor Colin, in his version of this uh, actually says he who hates living for self you can't hate living for self by self do you know what I mean you can't willpower do it it's just like it's it's simply in the bowing that the Lord gives you a greater love for him than yourself you know and so this outer shell really is self-life independent life the, the, the part of you that wants to live independent of God. So your own thoughts that oppose him, your own feelings that oppose him, your own desires and agendas that oppose him, if they're broken and yielded, the life of God that is in you can be released. What a miracle. If you stay intact, love yourself more essentially, that life stays locked up in the shell. Now, we all know quite a lot. And actually, the older you get, I mean, people say the older you get, the wiser you get. Worldly wisdom, yes. Godly wisdom, not unless you bow. But um, So we all kind of go on in life and we, we learn more. We have more information. We have more experience of life. And the temptation is to live off what we know. And it is a temptation. With no reference to the Father, no reference to light from him, revelation from him. And actually the crux of the problem for all of us every day is the challenge that the mind wants to lead. My reason wants to lead me. And it's a push. You know, it, it, it's a drive actually. Flesh always drives. If you want to detect what's flesh and what's spirit, flesh will always drive. Spirit leads, flesh drives but um you know your mind can be renewed and praise god when that happens it, in, instead of being a frustration to the spirit which a carnal mind is if your mind is renewed starts to agree with the word it could become an aid but even then you can know and agree with scripture but even then if you don't acknowledge him hold his hand and refer to him what are you saying you can still live just body and soul. It's just the outer man. And actually we can do a lot for Jesus, but it's, it can still be the outer man or the self-life working hard, independent. 
of God. And so the Spirit's not released. So the only way, and this is good news, and I know it's kind of sobering this morning, and there's like a, it feels a bit tumbleweedish in here, but I'm just going to plow on. Because um, it is good news. It is liberty. There's freedom for the sons of God. If the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. But as Pastor Colin said in a bit of his footage, are you living free? Are you experiencing this freedom? Because where the spirit is, there's freedom. That's what he wants for all of us. An absolute freedom of self-effort, self-management, you know? Just the life of the Spirit. But it's, it's really is a dying to I, a humbling of self. I'm not going to push what I think. That's mind bowing. Uh, I'm going to humble my mind and find out what you think, Lord. Our flesh, I'll tell you, my flesh can be very opinionated. Same as yours. Uh, we all think we're right in our own thinking. And we judge by our natural eyes and our natural ears and we draw all these conclusions form our own opinions and we can get quite prejudiced and hard-hearted the holy spirit's grieved when you're in that state full of your own opinions and your own wise ideas of life and actually you won't experience much if any of the life of god there'll be no evidence of the spirit in you you'll just be this hard hard-hearted Hard, uh, hard to deal with, hard-headed, hard to deal with, bristly kind of character. Very reactionary, because that's how flesh is. We have to bow. The other thing is, you can be a kind of very sentimental, feeling, feeling, emotional person, and your emotions try and lead. One is not worse than the other, it's all bad. Um, you know, we just have to bow our feelings... I find praying in tongues helps a lot when my feelings are kind of rising up. Because the Holy Spirit needs to come over. Instead of being dominated and led by my emotions, as I pray in the Spirit and just say, Lord, my mind's all over my pla- the place. My, my emotions are kind of feeling like stormy water at the moment. But I know you're right. I can't see it. I can't understand it maybe in this situation. But I know you're right. And so I bow. I yield how I feel. And just exalt the Holy Spirit over my emotions, over your emotions. And there's a verse in Psalm 131 that says, I've calmed and quietened my soul like a well-weaned child. It's a wonderful picture. And if you see a weaned child, there's a calmness, a stillness, a contentness about them. They're not screaming. And... (laughs) Our soul screams, our our emotions scream at times, but we need to wean ourselves off of our souls, off of being emotion-led. Right, Romans 8. How you doing? Deep breath. Romans 8, verses 12 to 14. Therefore, brethren, people of God, we're debtors not to the flesh. You owe your flesh nothing, by the way. It might tell you you owe it a lot, you owe it nothing. Don't feed it, because it is, becomes a monster. It is a monster and will get worse if you feed it. So we owe the flesh nothing uh, to live according to the flesh. But if, by, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body or the 
the push of the flesh, you will live. You can't fight flesh with flesh. Have you found that out yet? You can't fight your bad, ugly self with your own ability because it just fails time and time again and you kind of end up in this heap of I don't even know what to do, I don't even know if I want to do it anyway, state. And, um, but by the Spirit we can. If you walk according to the Spirit, you do the right thing. Yielded to him, that life in the grain breaks out. So we're sons of God. We're called to live and actually enabled to live this supernatural life led from the inside uh, we have this ability, but we do it by the Spirit. And Pastor Judith, years ago in the training center, did this brilliant teaching. If you were there, you will remember this. Uh, but she did this brilliant teaching on flesh and spirit. And she used an analogy of a black dog and a brown dog. She said, if black dog is flesh and brown dog is spirit, whichever dog you feed will lead. Whichever dog you feed will grow and dominate your life. If you feed your spirit, it will grow, lead and dominate your life. If you feed your flesh, it will dominate and grow and lead your life. And so basically, if all the influences in your life coming through your eyes and your ears, and look, we all live in the world, we all watch TV, you know, a lot of you go onto social media sites, and there's a whole lot of stuff coming at us all the time through our eyes and ears. But if that's all that's coming at you, your, your head will be more full of the world. Your mouth will be more like the world. The way you live your life will be more like the world. What you want will be what the world wants. And let me tell you, the flesh, it's like a dog that will not stop barking until it gets what it wants, isn't it? On and on and on and on. Just this annoying thing. It will not stop until we give it what it wants. And the push of the flesh brings the fruit of the flesh. You know, in Galatians 5, you know, there's these outbursts of anger, um, contention, selfishness. That's all the fruit of the flesh. Joyfully, the fruit of the Spirit, or the life led by the Spirit, is love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. What a wonderful way to live. What a calm state of well-being to live in. And when I was preparing this message, I thought it was going to be much more how to be spirit-led. But I came to the conclusion, how can we be spirit-led if we're not even spirit-conscious? And Kenneth Hagen, just raise your hand if you know of Kenneth Hagen or if you've ever heard any. He was an amazing man of God, amazing, anointed prophet and teacher. And he said, don't think body, soul, spirit. Don't think of yourself that way. Think biblically, which is spirit, soul, body. It's reversed. Be more conscious of your spirit. I think it's 1 Thessalonians 5:23 says talks about God is able to preserve you spirit, soul and body. That's the biblical way of thinking. And actually he he kind of um he had this way of thinking and he taught 
people, born-again people, to think like this. He said, think, I am spirit, I have a soul, and I live in a body. Just repeat that after me. I am spirit, I have a soul, I live in a body. Because actually thinking like this helps you. I say this from time to time out loud to myself because I want to become more spirit conscious. I am spirit. I have a soul. It's not going to lead me. And I live in this body. Body won't lead. Spirit won't lead. Um, But your spirit is the place where the Holy Spirit lives. And your spirit is the place where the Holy Spirit will communicate with you. Proverbs 20, verse 27, says the spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord. So the light will come here. Enlightenment, revelation, it comes here. He will guide you here. You know things here that you don't know here. Do you know what I mean? Surely that's happened to you. If you're born again, you will have known things in your spirit that your head couldn't get around. I've known things really here before I've ever known them here and my head fought it because I couldn't believe it and I couldn't receive it. I couldn't understand it. But my spirit knew. And um, the Holy Spirit lives in your spirit and he will lead you from here. We're just going to turn. We're nearly finished. Isaiah 11. His prophecy of Jesus. Isaiah 11 verses 2 and 3. Notice there's a lot of spirit in this. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. His delight is in the fear of the Lord. And he shall not judge by the sight of his natural eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his natural ears. Think of that. What a miracle. He didn't judge by his natural eyes. He didn't judge by what he heard. We need to live like that. Because I tell you what, we get into a whole lot of trouble when we live by physical senses. When we reason things out. Nowhere in the Bible does it say God will lead you through your mind. Nowhere in the Bible does it say the mind is the lamp of the Lord. You won't be able to find it because the Spirit is the lamp of the Lord. The light comes to your spirit and then understanding comes to your mind. But it's in that order. Spirit first, mind second. And I hope this helps you, but it helps me. When I'm receiving something from God, it's revealed to my mind. It's not reasoned. So it doesn't travel through my thought process. It simply arrives. It is that light bulb moment. I haven't worked to get to that answer. I haven't tried to figure it out. It, it, you know, like it going through a factory and it's manufactured a mince pie at the end. Ta-da! No! It's like the mince pie just arrives. Boom! Didn't travel through any process. It's revealed, not reasoned. So the spirit needs to lead. I tell you, the mind, I I don't remember who said it or where I heard it or read it. The mind is a great servant but a terrible master. If your mind's leading, trouble ahead. And if you've got decisions to make or needs in your life, let me 
really urge you, pray for light, pray for revelation. Don't try and reason it. One thing that helps, and often, so often, if we're humble really, we'll say we don't know how to pray or what to pray. I pray in tongues more and more, more and more. Because when you're praying in tongues, you know your spirit's active. Your spirit's active. And actually the guidance is going to come to your spirit. The spirit of the man is the lamp of the Lord. Here's the place where you're going to get lit up. On the inside. If you pray with the understanding, light may come to your mind. But even if it doesn't, as you pray in tongues, you get a sense of what God's saying. Do you know what I mean? It's like it starts to take form and shape in you. You might not understand detail, but it's like you get a whiff of something, like smelling bacon frying. You get a whiff. It's like, I think, I think, it, I think we're going this way. I think that's what, I think that's how you're telling me, you know. Please do it. If you don't pray in tongues, if you drop that gift, pick it up again. If you've never prayed in tongues, come, we'll pray for you. You can be released because we need, we need the Holy Spirit. We just got to get over any kind of embarrassment or feeling silly and just be a spiritual son of God. It's the only way to live a spirit-led life, not a mind-reasoned-led life. And I will say in every crisis in recent years, I've learned to look to my spirit. Really, he's the anchor of our souls to look to him and to pray, not just to him, but with him. Stuff going on in your life, let me advise you, pray with him. Which means you need to pray in the spirit because your head doesn't know everything, doesn't understand everything, certainly can't see into the future as he can. You pray with him. And John 16, 13, he won't speak of his own, Jesus said, but what he hears he will speak to you and he will show you things to come. And he does, if you're willing to listen. And what I've also learned, almost the more dramatic it is that he speaks to you, uh, it's kind of an indication you may well have some rough sailing ahead, if I can put it like that. But as you pray, your spirit will rise. Because you're a spirit. Can we have that diagram, Nika, again? Thank you. You're a spiritual person. You have the Holy Spirit on the inside. And as you pray like this, your spirit, you might not get understanding, but the Holy Spirit in you will start to strengthen you and settle you. Where does that strength come? Ephesians 3.16. Strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. The outer man will also receive strength from God if it will yield. But the strength comes to the inner man. And so he'll remind you of words of Jesus. He'll speak scriptures to you. He'll give you pictures, impressions, always in line, agreement with the word because he's the spirit of truth. But I'm just going to finish with this. And this is a really important way we as believers need to be led. The inner witness Most of you, if not all of you, have heard of that, experienced that. But the most important thing that can happen in our lives is that we become children of God, sons of God. Literally, it's the most important decision of your life because it will determine your eternity. But how does he let you know that you're a child of God? Romans 8, 16. The Holy Spirit bears witness 
in your spirit, you're a child of God. It's not a physical feeling, but it's a sense in your spirit, a conviction. You know, you know if you were to die, drop dead physically this afternoon, you know you're going to heaven. How do you know? There's a witness. I've got a witness. You can't tell me otherwise. I'm convinced. How are you convinced? Holy Spirit. Bearing witness. And again, you'll have heard this uh, helpful analogy many times, but it is like a traffic light. I find that the most helpful thing. When it's red, you really don't go there. You, you, you back away. If you're sensing red on the inside, just like a traffic light, you don't proceed. If it's green, every time you pray about it, talk about it, think about it, you just feel good. It's like, this feels right. There's a freedom, there's a joy on this. Green light, go ahead. If you're on amber in your car, would you proceed? No, only if you're a fool. You wait, you wait. And it's like that. And we need to, what's my spirit saying about this? Don't be so head-led and reasoned out. You ignore your spirit and go ahead on a red or an amber. So, sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. This is revolutionary. Let me tell you, a revolutionary way to do life, not not head-led, spirit-led. But we have to allow him a way. Sorry, Nikkei, but one more time. Spirit, soul, body. We have to allow him a way to break out of the inner man into the soul, mind, will, emotions, out of the body into the decisions we make in life. Allow him a way. He needs a channel. That life in you needs a channel out. And it happens through the yielding. Actually, it's the breaking of the soul and the body. But you know what happens then? Because you've been made one spirit with the Lord, Scripture says. The Holy Spirit lives in your spirit. It's like your spirit, your spirit, your human spirit becomes touchable. Okay? The more you commune with him, the more you yield with him. It's like other people can touch your spirit. And as they do that, they experience the Holy Spirit. Because you're one spirit with him. They're not just touching your spirit. They're touching God. They're, They're experiencing God. It's phenomenal. It's amazing. And it what's, it's what needs to happen more and more. God needs to become more and more touchable, experienced through our lives. Let's stand to our feet. We're going to finish by praying Proverbs 3. These amazing verses that we all know and ignore a lot of the time. I just want you to take these two verses, 5 and 6, And just pray them through. You know exactly where you're at with God. You know, you know exactly how you live your life when you leave this building or when you turn off, you know, the screen. But just pray it through and just say, Lord, I want to do this. Help me. Remind me to acknowledge you. You know, like that guy that set the thing on his phone, beep, beep, seven times a day. Help me to acknowledge you throughout the day, to become mindful of you and to kind of acknowledge you and do life, not independent, self-dependent, but with you. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we just thank you. You're not just God on the outside. Thank you if we're born again. We believe in you and we've received you. Thank you, God, on the inside. Your spirit lives in our spirit. 
And Lord, we just pray that you will help us to become more mindful of you, more conscious of you, that we will throughout the day look to our spirits. What's my spirit saying? What's God saying? I know what everybody else is saying and I know what my head tells me, but God, what are you saying? Help us. Holy Spirit, help us to live through our days as spiritual people, not just natural, mere men, but spiritual sons of God who walk in the power of the Spirit, master over flesh and the devil. Thank you, Lord. You never created any one of your sons to be a failure. Thank you, Lord. You created us and enabled us to live full of the Spirit and power, spiritually minded, spirit-filled in our souls so that you can be seen and heard and touched and experienced through every, by every person that we encounter. Lord, yet again and once again I pray, come Lord Jesus, take your place in me. Come Lord Jesus, take your place in your church. We just want to honor you. We want to worship you. We want to contact you with our spirits, sing with our spirits, and say that you are God, you are Lord over all, be Lord over me. If that's your prayer, pray it. Be Lord over my body, over my head, over my heart, over my will, which sometimes is like a stubborn, tantruming child. Be Lord. Today I exalt you. I exalt you, Holy Spirit. I give you your rightful place. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Kingdom Faith Southwest. For further information, log on to kingdomfaithsw.com.